Well, good morning, and we're so glad to have you here today. As we've said a few times, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for coming out today. We do have this Easter response card. I want to start part of it right now. It's so important to us because Easter Sunday is the Sunday where we get to see pretty much everybody who is a part of our church, and we want to say hey, and it helps us out a lot. Um, If you are new to our church, we'd love you to fill out the front part, turn it into our coffee shop, and we want to give you a gift to say hello and thank you for being here. The back part is the awesome part that we really love. Um, We want to know how we can plan and help out spiritually in your lives over the next year or so. So there's a few questions here that I'd love for you guys to take a look at. It's number one is what are the greatest areas of stress that you or people you know experience? And you can just mark one of those or you can like write something in if you want. This helps us know as pastors and as church leaders to know what the de- what's going on in our church. Where are people at? What do they need in a message, in counseling, and things like that? Number two there is what are the greatest barriers to knowing God that people face? In your opinion, what do you think the barriers are for people to know God? So if you could just write in an answer there, that'd be great. And then number three, you can answer that wherever you want. Uh, It is a few different answer questions. It says, the next step in my spiritual journey is blank. So one of those. Uh, And then the ABCD part we will do at the end. If you've been here for over a year, you've probably seen this before. We do this uh, every year. This is our second Easter, so every year is twice. Um, guys, I am like wrecked already. Uh, usually, you know, I've heard all those songs before, but it just hit today and it just kind of wrecked me this morning. Um, I'm going back to remembering when I was seven years old in this little United Methodist church and this lady was preaching about Jesus and she was saying about all these things that I needed to hear at the moment. I didn't know all the stuff I'm about to teach you. I had no idea what the resurrection power was. I didn't know all this stuff. But in the moment during worship this morning, I was just going back to being seven years old and remembering I needed Jesus. I just needed him in my life. I needed him to be my savior. And I needed what he had. And now that I know all these other things, I feel like it's speaking to the seven-year-old child saying, this is why you needed him. And so I have this message today for you, and I didn't really think of it in these terms when I was writing it, but I think it's powerful if you think about it this way. And I hope that maybe some of you who are here today, and you may not know Jesus the same way I do, or you've walked away from him, or you don't really like him a lot, or you don't like his church very much, I hope that this can connect the dots for you a little bit on who Jesus really is and why he did what he did. Um... In 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 5, I'm doing a little preface work here before we like jump into it, uh, all about the, the crucifixion and then Jesus coming back from the dead. But it'll be on your screen here. In verse 3, it says, For I have shared with you, this is Paul speaking, far after Jesus came, from, came back to life, I have shared with you what I have received and what is of utmost importance. This is information that was given to Paul. The Messiah died for our sins, fulfilling the prophecies of the scriptures. To them in that day, scriptures, this was not scripture to them back then. It would have been Old Testament scripture that was before Jesus was ever born. It would have been at least 500 years before Jesus. So he's saying the scriptures told us this was going to happen. He was buried in a tomb and was raised from the dead after three days. 
as foretold in the scriptures. Then he appeared to Peter, the rock, and to the 12 apostles. I love that he mentions Peter here because if you've been around church for a little bit, you know Peter's the guy who said, uh, I will never deny you, Jesus. And then Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows, all that. And he denies him three times. And over and over again in the New Testament, after Jesus dies, Jesus goes out of his way, says, go find, make sure you get Peter. It, you know, he's mentioning Peter. He's, this is, he's, to me, and people battle me on this, Peter is the greatest example of a disciple, someone who follows Jesus, because we suck, right? We suck. And Peter did not do a very good job at following Jesus. But who did Jesus go after? Who did Jesus go and say, hey, I want you to make sure that you go find Peter and tell him that I'm alive. And that's what he's doing for you right now. He wants to go after you and say, hey, you are the person I'm going after. Verse 7, or we're in uh, verse 6 now. He, he also appeared to more than 500 of his followers at the same time most of whom are still alive as I write this, though a few have passed away. This is a really jam-packed, powerful verse, actually. Uh, he appeared to more than 500 people. This just goes to say there were more than 500 people who saw Jesus' resurrected body. That's enough people to say that this actually happened. And this kind of differentiates our spirituality, our religion from other religions, because our king, our God, came back to life after he died. And there are over 500 people who say that he did. Now, I love that he says, most of whom are still alive. He's saying, Paul is saying, you can go talk to them. You can verify what I'm saying. You don't have to just listen to me say this. There are other people who are willing to say this. He's, he's saying that you can do this. This is showing the power in the scriptures right here. If you want to check, you can. Verse 7, then he appeared to Jacob and to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared in front of me like one born prematurely, ripped from the womb. Yes, I am the most insignificant of the apostles. If you know Paul, he's actually the greatest apostle, but he does not care about that. And I bring that up because humility is the beginning of our faith. It is the foundation of our faith. And this is what scares me the most in our culture now is because people with faith right now struggle with humility. We seem to struggle with humility, but that is the foundation and the beginning of everything that we have. If we don't have humility, we cannot come to Jesus and actually give him our life. If we have pride, we'll block ourselves from ever receiving what he wants. And he said, because I hunted down believers and persecuted God's church, again, Jesus used the worst of the worst Paul was a brutal murderer before he gave his life to Jesus. And he came and he uses Paul as his greatest example. Unworthy even to be called an apostle because I hunted down believers and persecuted God's church. But God's amazing grace has made me who I am. And his grace to me was not fruitless. In fact, I worked harder than all the rest. Yes, we have to work hard. We have to do everything we possibly can, yet not in my own strength, but God's, for his empowering grace is poured out over me. So over 500 people saw Jesus resurrected. Uh, three times in the New Testament before Jesus died, he mentioned the fact that he would die and raise, 
be raised three days later. You can look that up in some of the verses I have in your notes there. Oh, I do have to mention, don't raise your hand if you're type A, okay? Raise your hand. No, don't raise your hand. You want to raise your hand, don't you? Okay. Some of your numbers are going to be wrong today <laughs> if my wife copied and pasted directly from what I gave her. So they're a little off, and she's very <laughs> antsy right now, so I apologize. But you will be able to follow along on the screen. It won't be a big deal. <laughs> Guys, let's go back into the really important stuff now. The resurrection of Jesus is the most important foundational thing in the Christian faith. It is the most important event that has ever happened in human history. If we were to remove the resurrection from the Bible, it would still be a good book telling us how to live a good life. And I think if I'm, if I'm completely honest, I think that's probably how a lot of Christians live their life. We live our life based on what the Bible says, that it is a good book with good principles and we can live a good life. But the resurrection of Jesus proves that God has the power to resurrect our lives from spiritual death to life. And that is where Christianity differentiates between a good book with a good life. Nothing wrong with a good book with a good life. But we have power. We have a resurrection power. We can be resurrected from the dead in order to live the same life. You guys ready to actually start the message now? Because I'm ready. This message is called The King is Back. And I love this. Last week we talked about the death of Jesus. It was a great message actually for Good Friday. So if you want to go back to listen to it, I'll tell you, it was, it was the most impacting message I have ever gone through and written myself. And it, it pierced my soul. Number one today is he's back. Mark 16, 1 through 6, on the first day of the week, as the Sabbath was ending, Mary Magdalene, okay, I talked about this last week, who's the first person to preach the gospel? Mary Magdalene, she happens to be a woman. Mary, the mother of Jacob, and Salome made their way to the tomb. It was very early in the morning as the first streaks of light were beginning to be seen in the sky. They had purchased aromic embalming spices so that they might anoint his body, honor him, honor Jesus. And they had been asking one another, who can roll away this heavy stone for us to, for the entrance of the, of the tomb? But when they arrived, they discovered that, that the very large stone that had sealed the tomb had already rolled away. And as they stepped into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right, dressed in a long white robe. The women were startled and amazed. Remember that. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I know what, what, that you're here looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen victoriously. Matthew 28, 6 through 9, just so you know, kind of preface for some of you. We're in this, we're going straight through the book of Mark and it just landed on Easter Sunday perfectly. But there are some verses in other of, of the four gospels that I'm gonna pull in here that are perfectly matched up with this. Matthew 28, six through nine, it says, he isn't here, he has risen victoriously, just as he said, just like he said in the New Testament before he died. Come inside the tomb and see the place where our Lord was lying. 
Then run and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. I give you this message. I am going ahead of you to Galilee, and, I will, and you will see me there. So they rushed quickly. Again, remember that. They rushed quickly to tell his disciples their hearts were deep with wonder and filled with great joy. Along the way, Jesus suddenly appeared in front of them and said, Rejoice! They were so overwhelmed by seeing him that they bowed down and grasped his feet in adoring worship. That is our response when we come to Jesus. Now, there's a few important things that you have to catch here. There is an urgency, excitement, and intensity about Jesus resurrecting. There are three important things that are going to happen here. So number two, there is an urgency to Jesus resurrecting. Mark 16, 16, 7, he says, run and tell his disciples. There is an urgency for us as his disciples to run intensely. We have to do this quickly. Now, yes, you have to live a healthy life. The Bible talks about Sabbath, rest, But there is an urgency to this. We have to have an urgency to ourselves. We can't just sit back and hope that everything just kind of works out. We have to take care of people. That's why we do things like adopt a block. We want to run and tell people. Even Peter, again, even Peter. Make sure Peter knows. And that's what he's doing today. He's making sure you know that you know that he is risen so that you can live. He has gone ahead of you into Galilee, and you will see him there just like he told you. Luke 24, 11. When the disciples heard the testimony of the women, it made no sense. I mean, can you imagine, like, you see Jesus die on the cross, and if you go back to last week's message, we talked very clearly about Jesus was definitely dead. That's a question that pops up sometimes. Was he actually dead? Did He, he was dead. And so they were just like, What? Even though Jesus told them multiple times, I'm going to come back, they were like, this makes no sense. It just doesn't fit into our logical scientific brain. We can't make it sense. Make it make sense. It made no sense. And they were unable to believe what they heard. But Peter jumped up. Peter was ready. He's like, I'm, I messed up big time. I'm going to be the first one there. He didn't actually, he, I think he lost to John is what it said. But he ran the entire distance to the tomb to see for himself. Peter was running the entire way. Do we have that excitement? Do we still have that excitement about what Jesus has done in our lives? How does this translate to our current situation in life? Do we have a fire underneath us that sets us ablaze, that makes us want to do the things that Jesus did to bring people to Jesus, to show people who Jesus is? Number two, there is an excitement about there's excitement to Jesus resurrecting. Mark 16, 5. And as they stepped into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right, dressed in a long white robe. The women were startled and amazed. They were startled and amazed. Guys, this is a what we call a life-giving church. Jesus is the life-giver and we are to be his DNA. We are to be who he is. And we want to be a life-giving church, people who give life to other people. We desire to be joyful people. We want to be happy because Jesus made us joyful. 
a church that people want to be a part of. Let us always be amazed by the work that Jesus did for our life, for us in our life. Number three, there is an intensity to Jesus resurrecting. Some of you are like, I love intense things. I love to run and jump and fly, and, and I'm like, I'm afraid of heights, and I can't do any of that stuff. But there is a part of me that loves intensity, that loves the, the grind that, to do things, but don't get me on top of this building. I'm not going to do it. Like, no way. That's why, I, that's why I don't dunk. Like, I would be an amazing basketball player. I could dunk and stuff, but I'm just afraid of heights. And I'm short. And Mark 16, 15 through 16 says, And he said to them, As you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. So this is what Jesus is telling us to do after the fact. This is what he's telling his disciples to do at the end. And he says, Go into all the world. Preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire, to all the humans to everyone, even Fort Madison, right? Okay, this is part of our world. The people that you work with are part of our world. The people that you live with are important to God. The people that you, uh, that you do life with are important to him. Every believer has a duty to preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel. It is our job to get the word out there. We're called to go and to invest. Wherever we go, we're supposed to invest into the people around us. Verse 16, whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved. Next week, we have a few people who are interested in being baptized. And the reason we do this is, first off, Jesus said to do it right here, right? He's like, go get people saved and get them baptized. But the reason it's so important to do it in church is because we are going up in front of people. We do it right here. We have a hot tub. It's like 100 degrees. It's beautiful. Uh, I'm very tempted usually to come in here when it's not time for baptism and like just relax for a little bit. So we might buy one. Um, so we put this hot tub up here. And so we get in front of the church we have people come up in front of the church. Why do we do it in front of the church? Why can't we just do it behind the stage where no one can see us? We do it in front of the church because it's a declaration. It's an outward sign of something that's happened already inside of you. It, there's nothing happening spiritually. I, I say that and I don't actually mean it all the way, but the spiritual part is actually the confirmation with the people. When you are getting in front of your people and saying, I'm about to do this, I'm changing my life, I'm turning and surrendering everything to him, you are telling them we're all in together on this. That's what a church is. That's what a people of God are. And so we get up in front of people, the water, it represents purification, we do all this, and that's why we're doing that next Sunday during our service. Uh, how should we respond to all this? How are we supposed to respond to all this? I love how it says in Revelation 1, 17 and 18, it says, when I saw him, I fell down at his feet as, a good, as good as dead. But he laid his right hand on me and I heard his reassuring voice saying, don't yield to fear. I am the beginning and I am the end, the living one. I was dead, 
But now, look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys that unlock death and the unseen world. Our response is reverence, it's worship, it's amazed. We should look at Jesus and say, and just bow down. The Bible also says that when he comes back one day, that every knee will bow. And sometimes we think, okay, we'll just want to bow. Well, actually, even people who don't want to bow to him are, are, are natural. Just what we're going to do is we're going to be forced to our knees because he's perfect, because he's everything. And every single knee will bow. And that is the king that we worship. There's an urgency. There's an excitement and there's an intensity. So how do we do this? What are we doing here? Hebrews 10.25 says, This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Some have formed the habit of doing, uh, that some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Jesus is saying, he wants us to come together even more than we were before. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, I'm so busy. Like, I got all this stuff going on. And I know, I know, guys, like the kids and the grandkids and like all the things going on work. But what he's saying is if we aren't doing that, then it's easier for us to pull away from the, from the, from the people of God and then ultimately from God. Why does he put people in our lives? Why does he make the church so important? And I'm not up here saying this because I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor because of this. Jesus, is, he, he wants us to have each other. And I said this before, there's times where I, personally, I'm struggling. And I'm having a hard time and I'm pulling away and I'm just, I, I just have all these thoughts in my head and I can't process them right. But I've got, you know, I was talking about this a lot last semester, but I had this Monday night football small group where we talked about Jesus and I had some guys in there that love God, and I was struggling during the fall. And in just that conversation time, it kept pulling me back. It kept pulling me back. It put me right in the right spot. It doesn't have to be this, like, super deep three-hour-long Bible study either. It can be, and it will be sometimes. But there are times where just getting around people who love God is important to our life. And that's why we do this. That's why we put our time and energy into this. That's why our pastors do this. That's why we're doing this, because we love you. Now, let's talk about the last two years. Is anyone, like, exhausted from everything? Just everything that's going on? We need to figure out how to take next steps from here. We need to figure out how to stay focused, how to gear back into what God is calling us to do. And I believe right now is one of the most important times in our specific church's life. We have got to come together in order to do things for God, to get closer to God. We need each other. We cannot get out of the habit of meeting together frequently. We have to do it even more frequently. And that's why what we do is we have our Sunday morning service. We have Sunday mornings, this is the time for me, in our opinion, how we do things is this is a celebration. This is when everyone comes together and we celebrate what Jesus is doing in our life. 
And then through the week, we have a time where we do small groups. We get into groups, and we, we'll have a new season of groups starting up in June, but um, we just hang out. And the summer groups are the most fun groups. I went kayaking for the first time in my life, and it was a blast. But we do small groups with people. We get in community with each other. We rub shoulders with each other, and it is a blast. Now, I want to share something with you because some people think the church is an organization. But we're not an organization that happens to have a family atmosphere. We're a family who happens to be an organization. And that is what the church is. I want to read you guys a story, and the worship team can come on up as I'm doing that. But you may have heard this story, but I'm not going to reference where it's from or uh, what, what Bible verse it is. But just listen to it and allow yourself to put yourself in the picture of the son. Once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me my share of your estate? So the father went ahead and distributed between the two sons their inheritance. Shortly afterward, the younger son picked up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry because there was a severe famine in the land. So he begged a farmer that in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. The son was so famished, he was willing even to eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son re finally realized what he was doing. And he thought, there are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back to my father's house and I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I'll never again be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. So the young son sent off, set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar, and great compassion swelled up in his heart. This is God to you right now. Great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. The father raced out to meet him, swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. The father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger and bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For my son, my beloved son, was once dead, but now he's alive. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. He is here for you today. He wants you to be with him today. 
The Father wants nothing but you to be in direct connection with you. Whatever your past hurt is, whatever your past pain is, it's difficult. I'm not saying you're going to forget it, but He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to bring healing into your life. And what I want to do now is go, usually we would give an opportunity for a response. You guys have been here for a while. But at the bottom of this card, I would love for everybody to grab this, whether you're you know, a leader or not, everybody, would, if you could grab this. Um, this helps us know where everybody in our church is. And I think this will be on the screen. Uh, no, I didn't get it on the screen, my bad. Um, so there's four letters at the bottom. A, I'm already in a relationship with Jesus. If you could just check the one that makes most sense for you let us know. And do not be ashamed of checking any of them. B is today I'm beginning a relationship with Jesus. So if that's you today, if you are giving your life to Jesus and you are ready to go and give it to him today, you can just check letter B. C is, okay, like I, I get it. Like I'm in, I like this, but I'm, I'm going to like kick the tires for a little bit here. Just give me a minute. I'm considering giving my life to Christ. If that's you today, we would love for you to mark C. And, and do not feel bad about doing D either because we love you, we want you here, even if this is you. D is, I don't ever intend on making that decision. Now I will tell you that that happens sometimes and we pray throughout the year and we have had people actually mark uh, B the following year. Uh, which is amazing. But what I'd love for you to do is take a moment to fill that out. Uh, I will repeat it again because I don't have it on the screen. A is I am already in a relationship with Jesus. B, today I'm beginning a relationship with Jesus. C, I'm considering a relationship with Jesus. And D, I don't ever intend on making that decision. Would you guys stand up? And I want to tell you uh, one short story now. When I was seven years old, I was telling you this earlier, I, you can finish filling your the card out too, I know that was a bad transition, but um, I was seven years old and I, I went into a, you know, a service that was for kids and, and they were talking about Jesus and I knew in my life that it was like a wreck and I was only seven, I didn't, you know, you shouldn't even think about that as a seven year old, but I just, it didn't make sense and the lady was talking about how Jesus wanted to help and he wanted to come into my life and change my life forever. And I made that decision that day and I can remember it like it was yesterday, being 34 years old now. And over the years, I made more decisions to follow him in a deeper way. And some of you, that is today. You're either raising your hand and saying, this is me, I'm going to change my life forever. Or you've made the decision to take your life deeper today. But every day of our life, we have an opportunity to do that. Let me pray for you guys. Father, I thank you so much for this group of people today, this awesome church, Lord, this church that is moving forward, this church that is changing our city, Lord. I ask that you would bless each one of them, God, that you would be with each person here today, God. Be with them as they go today, Lord, in your name, amen. Right now, we're going to.